Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Tonight's message is called, It's Time to Talk. It's Time to Talk. No, not like that. This isn't like a talk to the principal talk, okay? So I realize that title sounds a little intimidating. I'm going to be transparent with you and tell you that tonight we're talking about something I'm historically not very good at. And that is this church word that we say sometimes that is called witnessing, right? Have you guys heard of the word witnessing? It's a church word. It's not really a word outside of church except like in the courtroom. So for tonight's purposes, we can say that by saying the word witnessing, okay, to talk about witnessing, that simply means telling people about Jesus. And it's actually pretty shameful for me to stay up here and say that I haven't been very good at it considering Jesus has been the most important thing in my life for most of my life. So why haven't I been good at witnessing or telling other people about Jesus? That's a great question, and we're going to talk about it tonight. That's a great question. I would love to answer it for you if you're into Elise Myers. So tonight, I want to look at Mark 16, verses 15 through 20. Hang in with me. It's a long passage, but it's a good one. It starts off by saying this. He said to them, this is Jesus talking, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race, okay? Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. These miracles, signs, will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. I love that verse. Sometimes the church doesn't like to talk about it. They will speak in tongues. Love that sentence. Sometimes the church doesn't like to talk about it. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. That could come in handy. I've never been in either of those situations so far, but I do have a scripture that says I'm protected from those things. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. This was a really loaded, like, four sentences that Jesus just dropped on everyone. And then after saying these things, Jesus was lifted up into heaven. One translation literally said, as he was talking, he floated into the air up to heaven and sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of God. And so the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord himself consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. So this is a really interesting passage. These were the last handful of sentences that Jesus said to his disciples before he floated off the ground and lifted into heaven. So I'm going to assume that what he was saying was pretty important to him. These were the last things he was going to speak to them on the earth. And the first thing he said was to go into all the world and preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Not a small assignment, but in, but a, a very important assignment, and it's really easy if we do our part. But my question for you tonight and to myself is, are you openly preaching the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race? And let me just say, I am not exempt from this just because I'm holding a microphone in my hand technically preaching to you tonight. That doesn't count. This preaching that I do in this room behind this pulpit is the absolute smallest part of the preaching God has designed for me to do. And in fact, every single one of you is meant to be a preacher, not with a pulpit and not with a microphone and maybe not on a street corner, but we are all called to go into the world and preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. So I want to ask, are we doing that? 
Are you doing that? Am I doing that? Like I said, this is something I've historically not been good at, and we're going to look at some of the reasons why tonight. But God has said to every one of us, one of the last things Jesus said was stuff like, hey, cast out demons, lay hands on people to heal them, pray in tongues, don't worry if you drink something deadly, you won't die, don't be afraid of snakes, and preach the gospel openly to the entire world. But I don't see many people doing that. And I'm not just talking about you in this room. I'm talking about like the church as a whole, right? People love to preach on Facebook, but they don't like to preach at their dinner table or their lunch table, right? They love to preach just and they're like video rants that the Lord leads them to do on Instagram Live. But when no salvations come from that, then are, are you really preaching? You know, are you really preaching the gospel, the wonderful news openly to the whole world? What does this really mean? And we have all experienced this. There is pressure to stay quiet, right? I was thinking about this the other day. I thought, wow, like this has changed a lot in my lifetime, really. Even though people haven't always agreed with what the Bible has fully taught, I think in general, uh, back in the day, at least my perception was that people were pretty cool with Jesus. Like, he's loving, he was a peacemaker, he was a cool historical figure, he, you know, he, he fed the poor, and he advocated for the widow, and he looked out for the left out. All these, like, little catchphrases, you know, Jesus was pretty cool. But Jesus has become so hated in the last few years, Right? That's been a really big change that I've observed. I didn't grow up really seeing people hate Jesus. I mostly saw people love Jesus but not like really want to live for him, and that's one thing. But today we're living in a world where it seems like a lot of people feel very aggressively towards Jesus. I was kind of chuckling. It's not funny, but I was thinking the other night, it's like you can feel like it's almost as bad to say, you know, that you support Jesus as if you walked into certain places and said you support Trump or you support Biden. Like it's that much of a hot button issue where it's like you're hesitant to announce that in certain places because you know people may get hostile, right? Just as our political climate is really nasty, it started to be really nasty surrounding Jesus and surrounding the Bible. So there is pressure to stay quiet, but I want to show you this is nothing new. We're not going to look there tonight. You can look at it in your own time, but in Luke 22, Peter actually denied that he even knew Jesus, even though he was one of Jesus' disciples who had walked with him. There was pressure even on Peter, like right before Jesus was being crucified, Jesus had been arrested. So to be fair, Peter might have been a little scared that he was also going to be arrested or killed or something too, because things were a little intense. But a young slave girl that he was sitting around the fire with said, don't you know Jesus? And he said, no, I I don't know what you're talking about. And consecutively, two more times after that, there were people who recognized him and said, hey, don't you know Jesus? And he said, no, I I don't know what you're talking about. Now, that is extra crazy because that would be like me saying, like, if someone was like, oh, don't you know Shelby Lynn? No, I've, I've never heard of her. Like, she's literally a person that I do know. Like, you can act like you don't know God, and he's invisible, and he's a spirit, so like, you, that's on you. But Peter took it a whole nother level of saying a physical human being, like, nope, I don't know him. He's, he's one of my best friends. I don't know him, never heard of him. So strange. But the point is still there that there was pressure on Peter to remain silent because of, number one, might, what might happen to him, or what could be said about him, or what people might think about him. And those same pressures exist even for us today, pressures from our culture. pressures from our pride, right? Really, if it comes down to it, I don't like to be embarrassed. 
I don't like people to talk bad about me. I don't like people to make fun of me. So I think a lot of people keep their mouths closed because they're nervous about what might be said about them. And that's really just pride. But we also have to realize too, our world is largely controlled by Satan, right? The church is controlled by God. We love him, we serve him, and we submit to him. So God has authority where we give it to him. But the way that the world is, is due to the fall of mankind and sin entering the world and then Satan having control. So we have to recognize his agenda is to make us quiet. That's why our culture is the way it is. That's why there's such hatred towards Jesus. It really doesn't make sense for people to hate Jesus. If you are not a Christian and you just view Christianity as a religion, why would you hate it? It's just another religion, right? It's really odd. It's really unusual that people are so hostile toward the name and the person of Jesus. But that's intentional. That is stirred up by the devil. That is perpetrated by the devil. And it's to create an atmosphere where we are pressured to be quiet. And although this is not anything new, Peter experienced it as well, it is something that's really real. And we have to recognize that to talk about Jesus is going to take a conscious effort. It's not going to be our default. It's not going to be what feels easy. It's not going to be what everyone else does, but it is, what do they call it? The great commission, right? The assignment Jesus has given us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living thing. Tell them the good news. And I want to look at Luke 24, 47, that same verse I just quoted, um, or excuse me, it's, it's the same story, but it's in a different book of the Bible. So first we read it in Mark 16, but there's the same account in Luke 24, same story, same situation situation written by a different author. And here's how he says it. Now you must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me. Start right here in Jerusalem. And we can stop there. So this verse gives us a little more in-depth look here. The first section that we read by Mark said to go into all the world and preach the wonderful news of the gospel. That is a little vague. The gospel is wonderful and it is good news. But Luke takes it a little step further and he says it this way. Preach repentance and forgiveness of sins so that people will turn to Jesus. He tells us two things to preach. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. And I want to bring to your attention that this is preaching the instruction of God along with the love of God, right? Repentance is the instruction, what God is telling us to do. And then forgiveness is God's love in action saying that, hey, you're clean and you can move forward clean and you're empowered to live the life that you're called to. People like to sometimes talk about the love of God without talking about the instruction of God, right? The forgiveness without the repentance. Or there are some people who love to talk about the repentance, but not the love and the forgiveness and the grace that exists. So God is giving us a really good tip here saying, hey, you need my instruction and you also need my love and my forgiveness showing up in this both. If you talk about one or the other, you'll fall into error and people will probably dislike you, right? As I'm talking about this, you're probably thinking of those people on your social media feeds that you know there are people who only preach about sin and repentance, right? They're just on there to tell other people what they're doing wrong, right? If you post a, a status about something you're doing and I think it's sinful, then I'm gonna drop a scripture in the comments. Just say nothing else, just like a little burner from 1 John or something and then walk away and just watch it blow up underneath, right? And similarly, we have people who are preaching about the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the grace of God, which is 100% true, but people will still get messed up if they take the love of God and use it as a license to sin. Yeah. 
there's no repentance and instruction. And those two go together. God says, I'm giving you instruction and love. It's repentance and then forgiveness. You need both together. And being on either side is falling into a ditch. And God's love is really manifested through his instruction, right? We know that God gives us instruction to keep us safe. He is a perfect God who loves us perfectly, and I trust him, and I know that if he tells me not to do something or tells me something is wrong, it's because it will hurt me. It's not because he's limiting me. It's not limiting me, <laughs> limiting me, and it's not that he's narrow-minded or closed-minded or old-fashioned or out of date. No, he's keeping us safe. So really, his love is manifested through his instruction, and that's why we need both. If I have only love with no instruction, I'm not safe. I'm loved, but I'm opening myself up to harm, right? Those instructions are guardrails so that I can really live within the love of God and keep myself from harm. He loves us enough to instruct us to stay away from the things that are going to tear us up. And I want to bring this point to your attention, too. I heard somebody say this. You know, sometimes we're nervous about talking about God's instruction because, uh, you know, it's not popular to say that God tells us homosexuality is a sin, for instance, right? Does anyone want to post that as a status tonight and see what happens in their comments? I don't, right? Not a popular thing to say in this moment. But it is the word of God. And I heard someone say this and thought it was so good. They said, no one wants people to get saved more than God does. Literally. As much as maybe you want your friends to be saved or you want your families to be saved or you want people that you love to know God and go to heaven, no one wants that more than God. So it would be really dumb of me to stand here and act like the word of God is going to drive people away from getting saved. No, that's the whole point of the word of God to lead people to salvation. No one wants people to be saved more than God does. So I can't act like aligning myself with him is going to push people away from him and his church. That doesn't make sense. He's laid it out perfectly. He knew what he was doing. His instruction is designed to lead people to his forgiveness and love. And that's how we're able to fully live. So God wants people to get saved, and I should never act like the Bible is going to push them away from that, right? It might take some explaining, and it needs to be spoken in love, right, with compassion, with love. But I can't shy away from the word of God because it is designed to bring about salvation in people's lives. And there's a lot of people who kind of get that mixed up, right, like we're talking about. They either fully emphasize love, and they don't talk about the instruction of God, or they fully emphasize the instruction, but they don't talk about the love. And we see something here that's interesting in 1 John 4.18. In the Passion Translation, it says this, Love never brings fear. For fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. So I want to talk to you tonight and just say we don't preach repentance to make people feel bad or fearful, right? God's tactic is not to tell us how scary hell is or how bad it is to be a sinner and then hope that we get saved. That's not how God reached me. God reached me through his love and his forgiveness in the midst of my mess, in the midst of me sinning, in the midst of me doing things that were not following his instruction. His love and forgiveness came through, and so there was no fear. So our tactic can't be fear or punishment, right? Well, you better not do that because you're sinning and you might just open yourself up to the wrong things. 
Well, that's true, but that's not helpful, <laughs> right? There's no love in that. That's instruction only. And it says, love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. And we don't serve a God who punishes us. We serve a God who rescues us. So sometimes we've got to check ourselves in our thinking to make sure we're not falling off on one side or the other. And I've been on both sides at different times in my life, I would say, because I've been raised in church my whole life. So I know a whole lot about God's instruction and how it says we should live. But then there have been times as well that God brought people into my life. And I believe I had an opportunity to speak to them. And I wasted that opportunity because I operated only out of love and not God's instruction. I talked to them solely about the love of God, which was right to do, but I left out the part about God's instruction. So what I did inadvertently was validated their sin and made them comfortable in it so that they didn't feel like they needed to move out of it to fully experience God. And that was on me. And sadly, at the time, I thought that I was being like a really good non-judgmental Christian, which that's correct. We don't need to be judgmental Christians. That's not what I want to be. Um, but I had patted myself on the back and they had even said things like, you're like, you're, you're just what a Christian should be. Like, you're so loving and you're not judgmental. And I was just like... <laughs> stop. <laughs> Praise God. You know, <laughs> in my own mind, thinking like, oh, thank you, Lord, for the chance to reach them. And God had to butt in on my thoughts <laughs> after the fact and say, do you, th do you think you reached them? Were they reached? Did they ask you questions? Did they ever want to show up at a church service? Did they ever ask you to pray for them? Did you ever offer to pray for them? So I just like sat there and sweated a little and <laughs> It's like, no, you're right. Like, all I did was sit there and pacify them, and, and I didn't reach them. And they left not knowing that I could show them a better way to live. Not in an arrogant way, but a way to live in freedom, you know? And I had just pacified their sin and been like, yes, like, God loves you. Like, it's, it's no biggie. Like, there's always grace. There's always forgiveness. And those things are true, but those things won't set you free when you're tied up in the bonds of sin and when your life's a disaster and when you're depressed and anxious. Like, that's not enough. You have to move into the instruction of God to experience the freedom of God. So this is something God had to show me several years back. Like, <laughs> my method of preaching the gospel um, was, was an error, and it really did it help those people. They think nice things about me, but that's not going to send them to heaven. So who cares? You know, it's not about me. So I messed up in that situation. And out of that, I really grew and God has helped me see like, okay, we need the love of God and the instruction of God, repentance and forgiveness. So there's three things I want to tell you about tonight. Three points I have. And the first one is that telling people about Jesus is an indicator of your love for God. Telling people about Jesus is an indicator of your love for God. John 14, 15 says it very simply. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments, period. I read the whole passage. He's not really talking about this before or after this verse. It's a one-liner. If you love me, obey my commandments. And that's what I want to challenge you with tonight. Do you love God enough to obey him? Because telling people about Jesus is an indicator of your love for God. And I'm not accusing you and saying you don't love God if you don't tell people about Jesus. I'm not saying that. But God is saying, 
if you love me, obey my commandments. And we saw in two passages where he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. Talk about forgiveness and repentance. Talk about those things. So do I love God enough to obey him? Too many times we're making this about ourselves instead of about God. It really doesn't matter if it makes me uncomfortable to tell someone about Jesus. This isn't for me. It's for God. And it's for that person. But ultimately, God told me to do this. I love him. I trust him. I honor him. So if I really love him the way I say I do, I'll obey him. And that means doing what he told me to do, telling people about Jesus. It's not about me and how I feel. At the end of the day, we're going to get into some stuff that will make this easier, I promise. But it is not about me and how I feel. It's not about what people think about me. It's not about if people think I'm stupid or weird or ignorant or closed-minded or, or whatever. It's not about that. It's about I love God, so I'm going to obey him. And if you think about it this way, I would say the general perception about God in our culture is bad. And I would challenge you and say, no one will know he's good if we don't tell them. If the common opinion and the popular idea is that God is bad, how will people know he's good unless we start telling them? It's as simple as this. If you've heard bad things about a restaurant, you won't go there until people start telling you good things about a restaurant, right? And I'm one of those obnoxious people. I won't shut up about things I like, literally. You guys know this. I'm a chronic oversharer about things people don't care about. Do you want to hear about what I had for dinner last night? No, I'm sure that you don't. But I'm going to tell you anyway because it was really good. Like, this is one of my personality flaws, okay? I will go on and on about a movie I loved. I will go on and on about a meal that I loved. If you say that you don't like a restaurant that I like, I'll be like, really? Well, what did you get? Well, have you tried this? And well, have you tried that? Oh, you didn't like that movie? Are you kidding me? Did you watch it? What didn't you like about it, right? I'll go on and on. Or we could say it this way. If someone was bad-mouthing your friend, if someone came up to me and was like, oh, my gosh, Amzi is so annoying. Like, I just can't stand him. He thinks he's all that. I would have some words because that's my friend, and I'm not going to let you bad-mouth him. I know him. I'm going to tell you, no, I don't think that at all. I think he's amazing, right? I'm going to share my opinion when you've shared one that I feel is incorrect. And listen to me. I'm not talking about being obnoxious, but do I even love God enough to defend him if people are standing there accusing him of things that aren't true? If people accused my friends of things or my family of things that weren't true, I would surely speak up. So why don't I do that for God? If I can defend a restaurant or a movie that I like, why can I not do that for the word of God that I believe with all my heart? Do you see how backwards that is? It's really convicting when you think of it this way. We will spend all day talking about things we love and defending things we care about. But if people start to bring up things about church or about God that don't line up with our experience, all of a sudden we can't speak, right? For what reason? No one's opinion about God will change unless we talk to them about it. If their opinion about God is negative, guess what? They don't want to know him. He's not going to be able to move in their life and change their life dramatically because they're not even interested. They don't want to come to, ch to dinner with me and my church friends. They don't want to step foot in a church. If they really think negative, bad things about God, the only chance for them to be saved is for their opinion to be changed by people people telling them differently. Right. 
People sharing their experiences, people sharing their heart, me standing up saying, no, God is not like that. No, the church is not like that. My church is not like that. It's not a place of harm and restriction. It's a place of help and rescue. How will they know if I don't tell them? right? It's as simple as that. Do I love God enough to defend him? Like I defend every other stupid thing in my life that does not matter. I'll go on and on and on about things that don't matter. Why can't I do that with God? Why can't I do that about my church? If the general perception about God is bad, it won't change unless enough people say that he is good. We have to tell them. If the general perception about church is that it's a place of abuse and narrow-mindedness and restriction, which is what every news headline says, no one's opinion of church will change unless the people who love church and have experienced amazing churches stand up and will share their story and say something. It's as simple as that. That's why I called this message, It's Time to Talk. You have to open your mouth and talk. It's so easy, but sometimes the pressure makes it feel so difficult. But you have to have these hard conversations with yourself. This convicts me, seriously. I was thinking about this, how dumb that I can go on and on and on about a restaurant, but if somebody is talking about something they heard about a church, I don't speak up and talk about how much I love my church and how that hasn't been my experience in church. It's convicting. But if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Telling people about Jesus is an indicator of my love for God. The second thing I want to talk to you about is that telling people about Jesus is an indicator of your love for people. Telling people about Jesus is an indicator of your love for people. And Ephesians 4, 14 and 15 says this to us. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced by people who try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And this paints a really interesting picture of saying, hey, a lot of people are immature like children. They're being tossed and they're being blown about by every new wind of teaching, right? Every person on TikTok who comes out with like a new idea, every news broadcast who shares, you know, has some theologian on there sharing their point, every blog by a deconstructing Christian, right? They're being blown about by everything they read. They're getting confused. It says there's people who are influenced by those who try to trick us with lies that are so clever they sound like truth. If I really love people, I will do everything I can to help them, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. His response to love was to give us the help that we needed. He saw that we needed help, so he sent Jesus to help us and save us. My role in the world is to do the same thing. If I see people who need help, I need to give what I can to help them. And this is what people are doing today. They're just so confused, right? They're so confused. The scripture lines it out so well. They're just blown this way whenever this idea comes out. And then they're all about this when this idea comes out. And then they support this person when this person comes out. And then they support this candidate when this candidate steps up. People are just back and forth all over the place, right? Every three weeks, there's like a new topic that everyone's talking about, right? A new idea, a new rant, a new story, a new headline. People are just going all over the place, being influenced and being confused. And we have a place to speak up, but it tells us how to do it in verse 15. Instead of letting this happen, we will speak the truth in love, 
growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He tells us what to do here. Hey, if you see people being blown about, being confused, following every crazy new idea that comes out that doesn't make sense and is not rooted in the word of God, speak the truth in love. And here's the, what, the way I would phrase that, speaking the truth in love is speaking in a way not to correct them, but to help them. That's the problem with the Facebook arguments, right? Everyone's trying to be right. I'm trying to correct you because I think what you posted was wrong. I'm trying to you know, provide support for my side because you're just not thinking right and I'm gonna call you an idiot and tell you you're stupid while you're at it because I'm just trying to correct you. Listen, sometimes the crazy people in those comments, they're speaking some truth. <laughs> There's just no love, right? They're speaking in a way to correct, not to help. And when your motivation is to help someone, the way that you speak will be completely different, right? When I speak to correct someone, I'm severe, I'm harsh, and I'm not loving. But when I speak in a way to help someone, I'm encouraging, I'm uplifting, and I'm very loving. The difference is my intent. Are you trying to correct people or are you trying to help them? First of all, are you trying to help them? <laughs> but many Christians are busy trying to correct people. Like, do you have a burning desire to tell people about Jesus or do you just have a burning desire to tell people they're wrong? There's a big difference. The point of both of those messages might actually be the same, but the delivery will be so different that it provides completely different results. Correction is hard to take. None of us in here like to be corrected. You all know this. We've all had maybe like coaches or teachers or different people in our life. There have been people who called you out and it embarrassed you and made you really angry, right? Have you been there? Maybe just me? Okay, yeah. When certain people correct you, it's embarrassing and it makes you really angry and you wanna fire back. But there are people who loved me and helped me in such a way that I didn't even realize they were correcting me until a couple of years later when I looked back. I thought they were getting together with me to encourage me because that's how I felt when I left. I felt encouraged. I felt uplifted. I felt like this person believes in me. This person is there for me. This person is supporting me. And in retrospect, I see that they were actually correcting me, but they did it in such a way that they wanted to help me. And it was so full of love that I thought it was encouragement because it was. Real help is encouraging because real help says you're not alone. I want to see you succeed. I'll do whatever I can to make sure that you make it. That's what help says. Help doesn't show up to tell you you're wrong. Help shows up to help you get where you need to go, right? That's the difference between those things. Truth spoken in love is always effective. But truth by itself or love by itself are neither effective. Truth on its own is very harsh, right? That's what we were talking about. Somebody who just corrects you, embarrasses you, makes you feel bad, puts you down. But love by itself is what I was talking about earlier. That's what I did in some of those situations where God brought people into my life that I could have extended help to. And I made the mistake of it extending only love with no truth. So there were no results. No results. Those people did not leave me and want to encounter Jesus. They left me thinking nice things about me, but not thinking about Jesus. So I failed in that scenario because I spoke only love with no truth. So it's got to be both, but it can't be one by itself. So I want to I challenge you tonight and evaluate yourself. Which way do you lean? Because we all lean one way or the other. Or like I said, at different times, I've, I've been on either side throughout my life. 
But do you maybe err on the side of truth only? Like you're kind of black and white and you can just feel like you could see what's right and what's wrong and you know when you're right and you know other people are wrong. Or maybe you err on the side of love, right? And leave the truth out. Either way, you'll be completely ineffective. But when truth is spoken in love, it is always effective. And we are here to help people to not be confused and tricked by all the ideas going around in the world today. That's why telling people about Jesus is an indicator of my love for people. I have to love them too much to let them just believe all of that garbage. If I speak the truth in love... There will be fruit, and that doesn't mean that they're going to be in church next Sunday or that they're going to get saved on the spot or whatever, but it does mean that they know I care about them and that I'm trying to help them. Speak the truth in love because when you tell people about Jesus, it's an indicator of your love for them, and we have to love people enough to care about them. There was that guy, I I tried to find the quote and I couldn't do it, but there was like an interview with a guy who was an atheist or something, and he said something to the effect of just like, if you people really believe what you say you believe and you really believe in hell and that I can go there for all eternity, then you must really hate me to not talk to me about that all the time. This was a guy who didn't even believe that, but his point is extremely valid. If we really believe that is true then what does that say about how I love and care for people if I'm not talking to them about that? And I'm not talking about being obnoxious and shoving it down people's throats and getting in Facebook fights. You guys know that. Our, that's, not, that's not the earmark of your generation anyway. So I'll save that, save that for a different group of people. But truly, if I really am looking at someone and not knowing if they're going to heaven, what does it say to them and about them if I don't try and introduce them to Jesus, Right? What's that say about the condition of my heart? Telling people about Jesus is an indicator of your love for people. And the third point I want to bring out tonight is that telling people about Jesus will cause you to grow in your love for both God and people, right? So our first point was telling people about Jesus is an indicator of my love for God. Second, telling people about Jesus is an indicator of my love for people. But thirdly, telling people about Jesus will cause you to grow in your love for both God and people. And we see this demonstrated in Acts 2. You don't have to turn there. You can look at it later. But Peter preached the gospel. And remember, this was the same guy who had denied Jesus. So he already flaked out, had like several embarrassing moments. He rebounded great, though. He received forgiveness and moved on. He preached a message 3,000 people were saved, and it said the church grew and grew and grew. They were growing, and that's because they were actually doing what God told them to do. We don't see growth when Peter denied Jesus. We see shame. It said after he did that three times, he was shamed. It had actually been prophesied. Jesus had told him, you're going to do this, and he said, Jesus, I would never. Then he literally did it three times, not just once, three times, and then was extremely ashamed about it, right? That was the result of that, but when he did what Jesus actually said to do, which was to preach the gospel to the whole world, we see that the church grew and that their love for each other grew. They started hanging out together. They started uh, giving donations to people who needed it. They started 
taking care of each other, opening their homes to each other. Their love for God grew, but their love for each other grew too, just by the simple act of preaching the gospel. Why? Because when we actually do it, our love for God grows, our love for people grows, and the outcome is that the church grows, right? Our family here grows, our kitchen tables and our dinner tables grow. The people that we hang out with on the weekends grow. The people that your future kids can be friends with, it grows, right? That community flourishes when we do step one, just like Peter did, preach the gospel. Telling people about Jesus gets easier the more that you do it. It gets more fun the more that you do it. It gets more exciting the more that you do it. Why? Because the more you do it, the more people get saved. And there's nothing like seeing someone get saved. Once you see it, you want to see it again. And once somebody comes to your dinner table and starts hanging out with you and your friends and then makes it to a Sunday morning service and then raises their hand to pray and receive Jesus, that is so amazing. You'll want to do it again. That stuff brings growth. And that's what this is about. Peter preached, people were saved, and then there was growth. Because when we talk about Jesus, things actually happen, right? And that's kind of the underlying fear sometimes of why we don't. Well, what if I ask them if they want me to pray with them and they say no, right? We're scared nothing is going to happen. If someone at work, my job has a headache, why don't I offer to pray for them? Because I'm scared they're not going to be healed and their head's still going to hurt and I'm going to look stupid, you know, right? Our fear is that nothing will happen, but God promises, hey, when you obey me here, things are going to happen. There's going to be growth. Things are going to start to change. People will actually come to church if you invite them, right? When was the last time you invited someone to church? And when was the last time I invited someone to church? And why didn't we invite someone to church? Because we were scared they wouldn't come, right? Listen, people literally drive by our church and come without an invitation. How much more would people that we know show up because of an invitation? They trust me. They know me. They love me. They might not come, but they might. If there's random people off the street driving by our church coming in, if God can work in that way, how much more can he work through me with someone I actually have a relationship with? right? An invitation matters when it's someone you have a relationship with. I can't even remember what I got invited to recently, um, but I didn't go because I didn't know anyone there. No one wants to go when they don't know anyone, right? But when your friend invites you to something, hey, then you have a comfort level in going and you believe them. I trust your rec restaurant recommendations because I know you guys, right? You, well, you might not trust my movie recommendations and that's valid. <laughs> I'm not current on that, <laughs> but there are some things I could recommend to you guys and you all would listen to me because we have a relationship and you trust me, right? The same concept is true with church and with Jesus and we have to stop being scared to invite people to hang out with us and our church friends or have them over for dinner or invite them to our life group or invite them to a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. Why are we scared? We're scared because they might say no, but is that really so bad? It's not, I don't think. And I think if we stepped out and actually did it, there would be a lot more people that would say yes than we realize, right? If all of us in the room invited someone to church this week, maybe all of us wouldn't show up with someone Sunday morning, but I think some of us would, you know? And that's how things begin to grow. Telling people about Jesus will cause you to grow in both your love for God and your love for people. So I want to encourage you as we wrap up tonight, I'm going to give you four really easy tips for how to talk to people about Jesus, okay? I'm not a pro, but these are things that I have learned through trial and error at times. Listen, you, are you, do you guys know about like my grocery store escapades from when I first started driving? Does anyone remember those? 
Okay, I felt like I hadn't talked about them in a long time, so I'm going to talk to them about, about them to you guys. Sometimes you might strike out, and that's okay, okay? When I was like 16 and 17 with a fresh license and a four-screen minivan, um, I, I was not cool. I mean, I hung out with some friends and stuff, but I spent a lot of time at the New Albany Floyd County Public Library. Still kind of do. I like it there. I also spent a lot of time in grocery stores picking up things for my parents because I had a fresh license. And God would literally do this thing to me where countless times, I don't even know how many times, he would tell me literally at 16 and 17 to go up to people in the grocery store or in the library and invite them to church or pray for them a couple of times. Sometimes I literally would leave the store and not do it and get to my car and be like, I got to go back in and talk to them. I can't not do this. And I'd go back in the store and find that person to talk to them. Do you know how many of those people ever accepted my invitation to come to church or to receive prayer? Absolutely none. Zero. Nothing came of it other than it busted me out of my comfort zone and it taught me to obey God. He, I think he was helping me learn how to hear his voice and also just helping me get over the fear of that. But my point is sometimes you might strike out. And on that note, I don't think it's really that effective to approach strangers, okay? I think God was teaching me lessons through that. And maybe I planted a seed in those people's hearts and they got saved later or ended up in a church. I'll never know till I get to heaven. So I'm not saying there wasn't fruit, but I'm saying that's probably not the most effective way. I'm not telling you to walk up to strangers at the Green Tree Mall and offer to pray for them or invite them to church. If you do it, that's actually amazing. And I would love to hear the story. So no biggie. And if the Holy Ghost tells you to do it, definitely do it, okay? But I did that, and even though I obeyed God, uh, it didn't go well. It did teach me more about, like, how to even open the conversation. I, I was so nervous I would just, like, spit weird things out sometimes and just say things and then leave and be like, Lordy, Lord, what did I even say? So it was a good learning experience for me and just kind of a funny thing God had me do. And there might be times you invite someone and they don't come, okay? But these are four tips that I think will help you. That was a little rabbit trail. Number one, talk about Jesus to people you know. Talk about Jesus to people you know. I'm not necessarily telling you to be a street corner preacher. I admire those people. And if God tells you to do it, you need to do it. But that's not going to be like 99% of us, right? Talk to Jesus about people that you know. You don't have to find fresh, new people. You don't have to walk the walking bridge looking for people to invite to church. If you do that, that's amazing. But what about all the people you know that don't attend church or that don't know Jesus? Talk about Jesus to people that you know. There's a lot of benefits here. Like I was saying, you have a level of trust established with those people. And there's the, the famous Theodore Roosevelt quote that says, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. So there's value in talking to people that already know how much you care, right? Who's in your life? Who are your close friends that don't attend church anywhere? Right? Who are your family members that don't attend church anywhere? People that know you and love you and would listen to you? Sometimes it's easier, honestly, to talk to strangers about Jesus because it might be embarrassing in the moment, but I don't have to see them at Easter and Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> I don't have to see them at a family birthday party. I'm not going to have another awkward situation with them. So sometimes we're scared because we're like, ah, I know this person. I'm going to see them at school again tomorrow. <laughs> so if it gets weird today, what if it's weird tomorrow? I get it, but listen, you have a valuable opportunity. Talk about Jesus to people you know, people that trust you, people that know that you love them, people you have history with. Talk to Jesus or talk about Jesus to people that you know. It's a great place to start. Hard place to start sometimes, but a great place to start. So I want to challenge you to do that. The second thing I want to challenge you to do is to talk about Jesus as if he's part of your life because he is. 
So I don't at work necessarily just have a cold open at lunch and say, so have you guys been reading anything cool in your Bible lately? I know very well probably most of the people at that table have not been reading anything in their Bible for maybe years or maybe ever. That's fine. But talk about him as part of your life. So here's, here are the things that I have done that have led people to ask me valuable questions and stuff later. Just, just even simple stuff like this. If I'm at work tomorrow and I'm telling a story, I'm going to say, like, well, I was at church last night, and blah, 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 blah. That might seem like it doesn't matter, but I'm shocked by the number of people who, like, attend church but never talk about the fact that they even attend church. Do you even talk about the fact that you go to church, that you have a church you like? You know, if they say, what are you doing this weekend? I always include church on Sunday morning. Well, Friday I'm doing this, Saturday I'm doing this, Sunday I'm going to go to church, and then, you know, blah, blah, blah after that. Do people in your life even know that you go to church? Do you talk about it like it's part of your life? Do you talk about the Bible ever like you read it? Like if something relevant comes up, if I can, I'll be like, yeah, you know what? There's actually that verse in the Bible I think is so interesting. It says blah, 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 like kind of on that topic or kind of says the same thing, right? Or something like that. Do people even know that you ever read the Bible? And I'm not talking about working this in a conversation in weird ways, okay? But I'm talking about talking about it like it's part of your life because it is. Just like you talk about your friends or your job or your classes. Do you talk about your church like it's part of your life? Do you talk about the Bible like it's part of your life? I'm not even trying to witness, but those things are part of my life, so I'm going to talk about them like they're part of my life. And then sometimes if people need help, they'll know who to go to because they know I go to church. They know I read the Bible. Listen, I send scriptures to people who don't care about them because it's part of my life. I'm not trying to be obnoxious, but for instance, if I have a friend who's going through something difficult or whose family member passes away or something like that, I'm not just going to say thinking of you. I am going to say thinking of you because I am, but I'm going to say I'm thinking of you and praying for you, and I'm going to put a scripture at the end about peace. That might not be part of their life, and I'm not trying to be obnoxious about it, but I'm trying to love them in the best way that I know how, and this is part of my life, and when God speaks to me through his Bible, I know he can speak to other people through the Bible too, even if they're not people who read it. That verse can speak to them even if they don't believe it. I had one girl one time, this was really different. Um, she was kind of an atheist, but she loved to read the Bible because she was like, it's just so comforting. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it is. That's by design. <laughs> like, it is really comforting. So talk about these things as if they're part of your life. You don't have to make it weird. You don't have to make it awkward. But do you even let people know that you go to church or read your Bible? It's a good question, right? Number three, share your stories. Share your stories. If you've been through difficult things and you're talking to someone about that, open up to them about how you prayed and read your Bible during that time or how it meant a lot to you that your church family was there for you or that a certain scripture really helped you through a really difficult time. Share your stories, right? When I've had hard times, it is literally the word of God in my church family that has helped me during those times. So I would never recount that story to someone and leave that stuff out because it was part of my story, right? Everybody is compelled by stories. Jesus demonstrated that for us. The greatest way to talk to people about something is through a story, right? He told parables and stories literally non Stop. So when you're talking to somebody, you're close with somebody and you're opening up about your life, share the stories of what God has done for you. If you went through something difficult and you prayed about it and God moved, share that with people. If you went through something difficult and someone else is going through something difficult, pray for them and give them a scripture and say, this really helped me when I was going through a difficult time. I hope that it helps you too. You know, share your story with people. Stories are really powerful. I'll believe your story just because I love you and I trust you, right? 
Doesn't mean I understand it. Doesn't mean it happened to me. My story might not be the same, but I'll listen to your story because I love and trust you because there's power in stories. So share your stories with people. And the last thing is, when other people bring up God or church or Jesus or the Bible, jump in the conversation with love and compassion. I'm not saying blow it out with a really harsh opinion, but if somebody else is going to be really loud about their negative opinion about church, it's fine for me to say, you know, that's really crazy. That hasn't been my experience with church at all. I actually really love my church, and I've been to a lot of churches, and I think they're great. I think there's a lot of great pastors trying to help a lot of people, right? Jump in when other people bring up God or church or Jesus or the Bible in a negative light. Jump in and share your perspective. You don't have to do it obnoxiously, but if it's a conversation they've opened up anyways, share your point of view. Jump in with love and compassion. Jump in with the goal to help them, not to correct them or criticize them. But don't be silent. I'm guilty of that. I've sat there and said nothing because like, whoa, this person's being really belligerent about the way they feel about it. Well, there's no problem with me speaking up and saying something with love and kindness, right? That was an opportunity that it probably wouldn't have done anything for that person, but it may have done something for the other people in the room, right? Again, back to like a stupid example. If you sit there and you're like, Ugh, I had the most disgusting lunch at El Katrina today. I'm going to say, are you serious? I love El Katrina and every meal I've ever had there has been a 10, right? But why won't I do that with church? Why won't I do that with God? Why won't I do that about the Bible? If someone's going to sit there and share their negative opinion, I'm not going to get nasty. I'm not going to be obnoxious. I'm not going to start a fight. But it's fine for me to say, wow, that's really crazy because that hasn't been my experience at all. I've had really great experiences, right? If something comes up, jump in the conversation. Don't just sit there and be silent. So I love you guys, and I want to encourage you guys. It's time to start talking. It's as easy as just beginning to talk and beginning to preach and beginning to bring truth and love to the table. And I believe in you guys, and I love you guys. And it's not just about church growth, but the next step of people getting saved is to get them plugged into a church so that they can grow. It's not about seeing the church grow, but it is about seeing people grow. And I think it's so much easier than we thought if we would just open our mouth and really make a point to step out and start talking to people. So thank you guys for listening to me tonight. I was really excited to share this with you. And I hope you understand this is just as much a message to me as it is for you. I do not want to just stand up here and preach with a microphone on Wednesdays. I want to preach everywhere I'm at. It doesn't matter if I stand up here and talk to the same new people or same people all the time. I want to invite people so that when I'm up here, I can see the person I invited sitting out there. And I can see the girl I met in Kroger the other day sitting out here. That is what it's about. So I want to encourage you guys to go over this and start thinking about this with me. Are you guys in this with me? This is something we can all do. And if we do it, it just gets better and better. Like I said, there you might have some misses. It might not, you know, <laughs> result every time in someone showing up to church. But it will result in people showing up to church. And once that starts happening, it's so exciting. And you can't help but want to see it over and over again. So thank you guys for listening to me tonight. I love you a lot. And I'm going to go ahead and pray over you to close our service. Father, we're super grateful that you have given us a plan, Father, that we are here with a purpose. This life isn't just aimless or pointless, Father, but we are really here to bring hope and freedom to other people and to introduce them to you. So I ask that you would stir the heart of every person that's here tonight, Father, and begin to show them the people in their life that they can reach and the people in their life that they can talk to. And we thank you, Holy Ghost, that you're our helper. And the Bible even says you'll give us the words to say when we don't know what to say. So we ask you to do that, Father, as we begin to reach out to people and try and 
talk to people about Jesus and talk to them about the word. Holy Ghost, we ask you to give us the word to say and be our helper in those situations. And Father, we thank you for everything that you are doing in this church, and we're glad to be a part of it. Father, we're so honored uh, to belong to your family and that you've given us this amazing church family here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media.